This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the show of the podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome with Shane Told. That's me. I'm Shane Told. I'm your host. And I am, if this sounds kind of weird right now, it's because I'm literally driving my car in torrential downpour. Uh, I don't recommend you try this at home, but uh, hey, I'm a little strapped for time on my way to the studio this morning to record some rock, and uh, yeah, no details on that, just rock. So here I am recording it in the torrential downpour of Toronto, but I'm doing great otherwise, thanks for asking, and we have a great episode today with one of the, what I like to call, founding fathers of the podcast, and what I mean by that This is a return guest. He's been on the show before. He originally appeared in episode number three. So what I mean by founding father is he was one of the guys that agreed to do this show before it was even a thing. I had to call these people, my friends, and say, hey, so I'm starting this thing called lead singer syndrome. And it was always the same reaction, like, what? Or, or. What's a podcast? Because let's remember, three years ago, well, I don't know, maybe you listened to podcasts three years ago, maybe you listened to podcasts ten years ago, but over the last couple years, podcasts have gotten way bigger, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Patty Walters back to the show of As It Is, and I love this man, and I love this band, some of my favorite kids. I call them kids. I I don't know how much younger they are than me, but I think it's because we took them on a a very early tour, you know, when they were still, you know, just figuring out the whole getting on the road thing. So they're some really, really great friends of mine, and I'm really excited to have Patty back. And it's a very cool time for As It Is, because they've had a lot of changes go on in the past three years. They're on their third album. It just came out. And this record is a departure, and I don't mean just image-wise. Yes, Patty has changed the color of his hair. 
Yes, he's putting some makeup on his face now. There are some changes there. But musically, this record is very different and very, very good. It is called The Great Depression. It is out now on Fearless Records. Go give it a spin. Before we get into the conversation with Patty, again, thank you everybody for listening to this. And thank you to everybody who checked out the episode last week with Jonathan Davis of Corn. Some sad news there. My condolences to Jonathan and his family for losing his wife, Devin. She has passed away. Very, very sad news. And my heart goes out to Jonathan and the entire Davis family. Really, really, really terrible. By the way, you can get in touch with me if you want to. Very easy. You can email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. You can literally say anything to me if you have suggestions for upcoming guests of the show or any other feedback, feel free. You can also hit me up on Twitter, at Shane Told, Instagram, at Shane Told. We also have Lead Singer Syndrome version search. They will pop right up. And don't sleep on Facebook. Yes, Facebook is still a thing. Give it a search, like the page. We're always doing cool stuff on the Facebook page as well. I want to thank last week's sponsor of the show, RX Bar. They sent me a box, and I know I ate one live on the air last week. Uh, those things are awesome. <laughs> They're really good. So thanks to RX Bar for sponsoring the episode last week. And if you are in need of a protein bar, a no BS protein bar, check out RX Bar. They're available online, and they are available in stores, and they are really, really good. And feel free to use our promo code LSS for 25% off your entire order. If you live in Europe or you live in North America, my band Silverstein is coming for you. We're doing a tour with Anti-Flag, some great friends of ours, and also great friends of this show. And after that, we're heading to the USA and Canada to do our 15-year anniversary of When Broken is Easily Fixed. And I'm not just saying this, tickets are really flying for these tours. So please, if you're planning on coming out, don't sleep on these tickets. Get them now. Head over to SilversteinMusic.com or do a Google search or however the hell you buy tickets these days. I don't even know. But regardless, we're coming. We're very, very excited. If you're an avid listener, fan of this podcast, and you want more bonus content, interaction with other fans of the show, interaction with me, and a lot more, check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. For as little as $6 a month, it gets you in. You become a member. And you get everything I mentioned and a whole lot more. I don't want to harp on it. I know every week I talk, 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 talk about this. I just ask that you go to the website, you check it out, you see the perks, see if it's right for you. And I mention it every week because it really is important and it really is what helps keep this show going. So head over to leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access and just, just have a look. Have a look and see. And as little as $6 a month, that's like, that's like maybe... Two to three bad coffees and one really nice coffee a month. Not bad. So check it out, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. If that's too rich for your blood, please help spread the word. Tell a friend, tell a loved one, write a review on iTunes, post about it on your social media. Even if you just have a couple followers on there, someone's listening, someone's checking it out, and it will help spread the word and keep the show going until the end of time. All right, let's jump into it. I had this conversation on Warp Tour. Here is one of the founding fathers of the podcast and my friend, Mr. Patty Walters of As It Is. Welcome to 
Just like just like that. It's just three years. Like just no like time that. has passed. Yeah. How about three that? years, dude. Here we are. It kind of blew my mind because like we were just mentioning before uh, I started rolling, you know, you were one of the first guests. Yeah. Third. Episode number Third three. Ever. And before, you know, when we were actually doing that uh, interview in Toronto and the Danforth Music Hall dressing room. Uh, damn. Peace and love to people on the Danforth, by the way. I don't know if you heard about that. The shooting in Toronto. I have. I haven't. Uh, I don't know the details. But yeah, that was, was recent. That was in the last. There were what, two, two one people two killed and like fourteen people shot in a, a gunman, a lone gunman attack right on the Danforth. Just, just a couple blocks away from yeah. right where that venue is. And Toronto, like that should that that should never happen. But that's very bizarre. Well, we had a truck. Toronto and we had Canada. a truck run some people over too. Just you know, within the last few months. So at least the good thing is. You know, and I mean, we're none of us are American. Well, actually, you are American. Yeah, uh, sort you, of you halfway. Don't reside in America anymore, yeah. but you know, um, you know, in America they have these these this gun violence, and they say, well, you know, they they, they never actually do anything about it. Nope. In Canada already, in Toronto they're talking about banning handguns. There you already. go. So that's good. But anyways, yes, it is, yeah. I don't know how we we got so uh, off topic right away, but uh, but yes, three years, and one of the first. Um, Yes, and, and now here we are, three years later, on the Warp Tour together again. Yeah, yeah. How, how are you holding up? Holding up pretty well, considering we are in the middle of a 20-day stretch. Yes. Uh, we, the like longest in the so? history of this band. We've never done 20 straight days. I believe the longest we did was in Warped 15, which might have been 14, maybe 16. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here we are. I think we're around 15 or 16 right now, so we're, we're up there. And you're, the pipes are holding up? The pipes are holding up. It's only six songs. I mean, it, it's, you know... It <laughs> it's is, really only six? Yeah, we're only playing six. We've only got 25 minutes. And oh, I, d- yeah, I do a yeah, lot yeah. of talking these days, so that fills a okay. fair amount of the set. But, yeah, my body's feeling it a lot. The, uh, I don't know, the, uh, the, the, the vocals are feeling okay, That's actually. good. That's good. I find, especially now, because you've been on this tour for, well, over a month? About a month? Yeah. Yeah, so over a month. Yeah. I always find, and... and for me, at least, it's like once I'm like a month into a tour or even three weeks into a tour, it's like autopilot. Of man. course, I like can't lose my voice even if I try. Exactly. So exactly. you know, so that's that's a good thing. So I mean, I mean, maybe uh, Kevin Lyman and CAA organizing this tour. Yeah, think about that stuff. Something tells me they don't. Yeah, I like to picture <laughs> Kevin like leaning over this map of North America, pushing like buses around like a <laughs> warlord, going twenty days, and we end in Florida. <laughs> All this kind of stuff. But. Yeah, if the last Warp Tour ever gets rained out, wouldn't that just be the most bittersweet? Yeah, ending? it's almost like who can survive the final Warp Tour? <laughs> <laughs> who wins? Who wins Warp Tour? Oh, that's funny. But but how's it been? Like how's it been like the crowd reaction? I know the crowds have been coming out have been huge and stuff. How's that been for you guys? It's been great. It's been consistently better overall. Doing it the second time, we know what we're doing a little bit better this time. Right. We're used to kind of not knowing when we're playing until that morning and all this kind of stuff. But the crowds have been consistently great. Um, the new songs have been going down very well for how different they are um but yeah. yeah it's it's been a very fun time new and old friends out here it's been cool, cool. nothing but well, good i definitely know i know me i'm well aware of the new record coming out on august 10th the great depression and i want to talk all about that um but before we get to that i mean i think you know you mentioned you actually checked out our old podcast yeah went back right. and, and listened, and i should have uh so i'm gonna try not to repeat too much but of course you know the narrative that i can remember of the last time we spoke was okay. Patty Walters, ex YouTuber, 
you know, turned full-time musician, and, you know, that was the, the narrative, and that was what's going on. It's been three years. Yeah. The YouTube days are far, far in the past. Yeah. Where are you at now? Any, any regrets, you know, with that, with that part of your life gone? Because um, you really did leave it behind. You, you said, I'm, I'm closing that door, and I don't think I'm going to go back to it ever, and you haven't. I haven't. Um, yeah, it was one of these things. YouTube was a vehicle for getting here. And when we put pen to paper with Fearless, when we started touring as much as we did, it was like, okay, that, that, that's, let's close that door. That got me where it, it needed to. Um, but I still love YouTube culture. I still watch YouTube channels every day. And yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I mean, you, you got to wonder um, you, 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 if, you know, if I'd pursued that or if I'd pursued certain social media strategies, would I myself as a musician or would the band be bigger? I don't really know. Right, but at the same sure. time, I mean, listening to the old podcast, we talked about the kind of like detriment of playing the numbers game. Like yeah. the views, the yeah. likes, the reach, all this stuff that weighed heavily on me for a long time. And it's nice to be kind of on the other side of that. And it's nice to be a jaded rock star <laughs> who doesn't just give a shit anymore um, it's like no I'm really, uh, it's just yeah I'm just looking after my myself now and my, my mental health instead of right. kind of yeah it, 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 that, that stuff consumes you if you let it no, totally, and it's. I mean, seems like seems like some good Spotify numbers at least. Uh, oh, sure, for the yeah. new tracks, uh, which which are great. So the Great Depression's out August tenth, and the two songs you've released have been, in my opinion, by far the best stuff you've ever done. Thank you. I, I like think to they're. Think so. Thank I you. think they're awesome, um, and but I feel like it's been a little bit overshadowed by this image change. It, I think so. And, yeah. you know, I see you sitting beside me and, you know, you got the black hair. You're yeah. still smiling the same way yeah. you always were. Can't get rid of the smile, but, you know, you're, <laughs> you know, you're, you're black hair, you're wearing makeup and eyeliner and all that. Yeah. And all people want to do is compare as it is to My Chemical Romance. Which to me is really funny because it, yeah. um, the Jared Way thing, the Pete Wentz thing, I didn't see that coming necessarily because this haircut, while it is very intentional is more of an era thing than one particular band member because yourself and your band uh, sported this haircut for a long time. Oh, definitely. I see this as like Finch. I see this as like from first to last. I see this as just yeah. kind of... And in the, the UK, we had Funeral for a Friend. We had Hell is for Heroes. This was just the haircut. Everybody and, had that haircut. And Absolutely. we're channeling that very specific era intentionally. But more so, it's kind of... Um, a pride thing in the sense that we have never been more proud to be an alternative band in the alternative scene. And I think it's almost expected of you, um, it, at the very least predictable, to dilute your sound and start chasing the mainstream demographic with the mainstream sound. And we were looking at this opportunity with our third record going, you know what, let's be the band that turns it on its head, goes darker, goes more aggressive, and kind of wears the uh, the haircut as a crown and goes like this is <laughs> this is uh, we're proud to be part of this scene and we don't plan on jumping ship anytime soon. That's that's cool. I mean, at the same time, I I, I, I don't know. I, I definitely follow what you're saying, but at the same time, I mean, My Chemical Romance and a lot of those bands that was mainstream music. Very true. You know, and uh, I think that's that were those are big big bands, and now they've become with My Chemical Romance like breaking up and not coming back and are they going to come back? What's happening? They, like they were rumored to do Warp Tour at one yeah, point. Yeah, they were. And you know, so they become these, these like legendary bands, sure. you know, 
And uh, someone like, you know, w- when Green Day, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong started wearing eyeliner and had his hair all black and stuff too. That was an era of that, that band. You know, legends. Right. So I think it's really admirable that you guys are like, no, 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 like, like fuck the mainstream. We're doing this. But in a way, what you're doing is sort of mainstream. I, yeah, I respect that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and obviously with the UK... Uh, being a UK band always been so image driven yeah, you know like Rock Sound and, and uh, Kerrang and all those magazines like they want to put somebody on the cover that has something going on yeah. and you, you're giving that to them yeah absolutely absolutely um, and we've always been big fans of bands like My Chem and Fall Out Boy and Paramore that really drastically change from record to record like yeah. aesthetically and musically really growing and evolving um, so that is certainly a part of it. And I think it's, it's maybe one of like the paradoxes of kind of, you know, why bands dilute their sounds or why they, they sell out, quote unquote, right. finger quotes, um, is because those bands were mainstream. They were enormous. They were on the TV. They were <laughs> on the radio. Um, and they were already playing arenas. So maybe when right. bands in 2018 are kind of like, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. It's like, no, they were already gold or platinum certified. And True. had just kind of established themselves. True. And yeah, we didn't plan on kind of falling for that trap. Like, we're happy right. out here. Totally not. Well, the, the new record um, has a darker imagery, you know, w- with it. Uh, I've read that it's a concept record, a full it, concept yeah, record. Yeah. There's a lot going on. That's a lot to um, you know to bite off for a, a relatively young band. I mean, yeah. I think you're at the point where you're ready to do it. Uh, but I think the image probably follows that record. Is it that does. correct? Yeah, it definitely does. It just embraces the theatricality of the record. Right. Um, when you write a concept record, it's got to have a certain flow, both as far as the narrative and the music goes. And we were very conscious of that. Yeah. So, what was the approach going to this? Because it's been a year and a half since your second record, OK, came out. Um, looking back on that record, uh, how do you feel about it? I'm very proud of that record. Yeah. I think we were still trying to find our footing and a, our sound as far as we were as a band because we embraced darker elements and poppier elements and lighter elements, and we were really just kind of seeing what worked at that point. It was the first time we'd ever co-written with our producer and really let somebody else into the band equation, yeah. um, into that dynamic. Um and yeah, we're, we're just still, I think it's something I didn't realize about bands is you just are always learning by doing from record to record. Like no matter how long you've been doing it, like you still push yourselves in different ways and work with different people who bring different things out of you and you're just always learning. Absolutely. Um, who did you work with on this record? I, I actually don't, don't know. Uh, this was Machine. Oh, Machine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, who, yeah. I uh, remember, you know, so yeah, his, his producer name is literally just one word, Machine. Machine. And I remember I met him one time and he like just came up and I was like, oh, hi, Machine. And he goes, I'm Machine. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Like, you're not, what's your real name? Like, yeah. you're going to just, just going to call me, call yourself Oh, did I spill my water? No, I'm good. Um, you're just going to call yourself Machine? Yeah. I thought that was so funny. We went and watched the Super Bowl in Austin and like yeah. had some friends and brought him out and just in- introducing him. I'm Machine. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like at a Mexican restaurant, Super dude. Bowl party. It's, it's <laughs> really funny. That. Yeah, he's so eccentric. Well, I mean, he's an insane producer. I mean, he's made so many great records and his longevity too. You know, people talk about longevities for bands. They don't talk, we talk about longevities as producers. Right. Because producers need to be up with their chops and knowing what new technology they need to embrace or not embrace sometimes. Uh 
and he's done a great job of making, um, you know, great records for well over a decade now. Yeah, absolutely. He was. Um, it was so fulfilling and so fun to work with the real mad scientist producer you used to read about years ago. I mean, we were in the middle of nowhere. We were in a studio in a place called Dripping Springs, Texas. Very <laughs> small, conservative town for six weeks, sleeping in a kind of like mobile trailer, showering outside, this kind of thing. Wow. It was, um, and he is just truly crazy in all the best ways. Um, so yeah, he brought out a different side of this band. Because yeah. I, I think I know Machine as more of the technical side producer at least from I've never worked with him but what, from, from what I've heard so how is it going to a record with a producer like that where it's like okay so we're not really like we don't really I'm putting words in your mouth but we don't really give a fuck what like the snare tone is or the EQ on the snare drum or how the, like the guitars are panned we're talking about a concept record and the words are important and the meaning is important and the vibe is important yeah like that's what we need to work on with you, machine. Not really like the I don't really care what what how you're going to reamp the bass. Exactly. Um, for sure. Um, he was so invested in the concept and the message. Um, he said yes to the record before he'd heard a single demo. He'd heard our previous work, obviously, but Ben yep. and I uh, skyped him, um, told him the title of the record, um, the concept of the record, the message of the record, and before the end of the Skype call, he was. Pitching us the album artwork and pitching us music. Wow! Music so he had, video he had stuff. a strong vision. He was like, "Let me be your movie director." Right. Like, and right. he was he was while we were tracking drums, he's like violently thrashing his arms around, and it was <laughs> it was chaotic. It was bizarre. Uh, it was very surreal, but it was such a cool experience. That's very cool. So maybe maybe that you know uh, opinion I had of him was just old school. Like I, mean, I guess he's evolved as a producer into somebody that could that can you know really like you say direct i think he wears both hats really well because yeah. i mean when i would track vocals we would talk at length about the characters the story um what it meant to me like what truths of mine were kind of injected into the lyrics um and we'd just kind of like talk at length and sometimes we'd cry sometimes we'd <laughs> laugh we'd just kind of be like all right let, let, let's really i always view like being in the in the vocal booth as kind of like like the like being at the Olympics where you've spent like this amount of time <laughs> writing these songs you've given it like a year and a half or longer and that is your 30 to 60 minutes yeah to do justice to everything you've been working on because if you fuck it up in the booth what was the point right it's very psychological i love this analogy but it is funny because i always think of like you know, uh, let's say Olympic diving, yeah, right. And there's that diver, and they've got their toes on the edge of the platform, and they like see them. Their cameras are rolling. They got one cho- one shot exactly after all the work they've done for the last four years or their whole life. In the vocal booth, it's a little different, yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> very true. You're not doing what you know. One take is is not happening very often. Yeah, you're right. You <laughs> so, are right. So that's a funny a funny analogy, but but uh. I do enjoy that. Yeah. Because you're right. Yeah. So, you'd say being prepared before the studio is a big part of, of your band? Because I remember before you said it was when you were working yeah. with uh, James Paul Wisner or, exactly. or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we, 
I mean, we do all the pre-production ourselves because I have at least some background in production. So we'll record everything and give a lot of thought to harmonies and effects and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then when we come in, it's I, I practice as a as a vocalist now. It's wild. It's yeah. like, it's like yeah. I actually care about my craft these days. It's wild. It was actually on that tour that we did with Mayday Parade when we first did yeah. Lead Singer Syndrome yeah. where um, Mayday Parade's guitarist Alex would be practicing. I'm like, dude, you're phenomenal. Like, you're out here practicing? Like, that's wild. Like, nobody I know in this scene practicing practices. Practicing vocals or guitar? Guitar. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, that's, like, really cool. Because, I mean, if you're an athlete, you're practicing when you're home. You're, like, looking after yourself. And yeah. so now I try to do the same. And I, I was really... And this is the most aggressive record we've ever made. And screaming isn't something that came naturally to me. Yeah. And it's definitely um, commanding, like, a different part of my voice and what I'm used to doing. Um, live, I do like a little more screaming, but like on record, it's it's very new uh, to this band at least. So it was, um, yeah, a lot of work. A lot of a lot of work went into it this time. It's always weird too when you're like screaming in a studio is so different from screaming live because live, you know, you've got like a handheld mic like we're holding, right? And you can kind of like sort of put your hand at like like not saying cup the mic, but a little bit. Yeah, you get a little more volume, and I mean. If you're wearing in-ear monitors, usually it's, like, kind of cranked, so you kind of get a little distortion. Yeah. Or if you're practicing, it's, like, the, everything's loud, so you don't really hear. But studio, it's, like, clean yeah. into, a like, a beautiful mic, and that's just, that's your voice. That's you're, your scream. You're There's naked, no, you're vulnerable. It's exactly so naked. Yeah. Was that, was it strange hearing your voice in that context and... It really was. Because out, out of your own mouth and your ears is a lot different than into a mic and back into those headphones. It really was. And I'm so psychological as far as the, as far as a vocalist goes. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking so uh, critically about slides into certain notes and all this stuff. And with screaming, I'm so new to it. And I'm still just trying to kind of adapt and I think I'm all right. I'm getting there. I think you're great. And um but it was it was very new in the studio context yes. to be to be doing that Absolutely. because it's a lot of just trial and error for me at this point. I think screaming is trial and error though. Yeah. I, even for me I, and how long I've been doing it. I, I really it's some, sometimes it's like 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 you know I, you mentioned uh before again before we were rolling about your TEI class. Yeah. And I did one where I was teaching people, you know, some singing techniques and stuff. And people would come in and ask me about screaming, and I'm like, "Dude, there's not like an exact science here." Yeah, you know. Did you have the Melissa Cross treatment? Or I've, did- I've seen her. Yeah, yeah. I did uh, about four lessons with her. This is back in, oh geez, like maybe 2006 or 2007, right. just to try to improve, just yeah. to see if she could. And what she showed me, she she really gave me confidence, and she showed me some warm ups that I still do to this day. Yeah, but. I didn't really get anything from it. Like sure. some guys are like crazy. Like I think Keith um, from Every Time I Die like uses her technique like to a T, and and uh, Randy from Lamb of God, and like those guys are amazing. Right. So it works for some people. Of for course. me, it, it I didn't really understand. Well, every vocalist is different. Every, exactly. Every body is different. Exactly. Like- so that's what I always tell people. Like I'm like I can you know tell you some stuff about singing screaming, but you got to go to the master. Yeah. You know, and and she's taught some some people. Of course. Um, so yeah, speaking of screaming, when I heard, when I first heard the Wounded World, I was like, okay, okay, this is like a, kind of an anthematic song. You know, you're pushing this, you know, uh, um, line over and over again. Yeah. Like catchy, catchy song. Then, 
out of nowhere, this breakdown hits you. Right. And I am like, what is going <laughs> on? This band is just, holy shit, was my reaction. Awesome. Have your fans had that reaction too? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's been so cool that people have been so like kind of like, like warmly welcoming of like going that aggressive, I guess. Um, yeah, it's it's been really cool. I mean, like we listen to like a lot of aggressive stuff in this band, and it's just been cool to like play with those influences a bit more and just uh, really go full breakdown live, go full crab full core, hardcore <laughs> breakdown, full crab core. You never go full crab core. You never go full crab core. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, like you were saying. I mean, a lot of people would expect, uh, you know. You, I know you constantly call yourself alternative, but you know whatever pop punk band, sometimes more like pop rock band. You expect on their third record, we're going mainstream, we're going radio. I think quite and honestly, you guys really took it the other way. I think we expected that, and that's why we kind of fought it so aggressively. Yeah. I guess yeah. I don't know. It just didn't feel very satisfying, or even like the right decision for this band. Ultimately, I guess, and I don't know. We were. We were in a dark place in this band for a while. We spent a little over a year um, in a very toxic environment. And part of what got me through this record, quite honestly, is like maybe this is going to be the last As It Is record. And maybe this is why we should take some of the risks that we did. We've got nothing to lose in my eyes. I knew we needed a third record to, to end our career and our kind of discography on OK just didn't feel right to any of us. So I was like, we need to at least write a third record and give ourselves and everybody supporting this band the closure they deserve. Um, wow. Yeah, so it, it was it was certainly like, OK, this is the, you know, this is, this could be it. Right. This really could be it. Right. Well, that's crazy. I, I didn't know the darkness. I mean, a lot of times when somebody goes through something in their life, like it's a, let's say it's a big breakup or, or something, right? The the cliche thing is they like dye their hair or they get a tattoo or right. something. So I see, you know, you come out in this. Obviously, there's there's it goes with the concept of the record and stuff. But I had to wonder. I'm like, is there something going on? Sure. With Patty, certainly. certainly. Um, I know you've had some life changes. I don't know if that's what you're referring referring to as you know toxic environment. But you know, how, how has yep. it been personally? I mean, how, I mean, I know it's a concept record and it's kind of a bunch of stories, but there's got to be something personal in this record, too. There is, man. Um, so, I mean, I I spent the majority of 2015 and 2016 feeling very unstable and very unhappy. Um, I saw a therapist a couple of times in 2016. I was finally kind of, like, open and honest with the people in this band and the people in my life. Um, and started getting some help and learned how to look after myself. Because you're never really taught that kind of thing. Um, yeah. When, I mean, when we were... Abandoned 2014, we did 40 shows. When we were abandoned 2015, we did 175. And nothing really prepared me for that kind of acceleration and this big uh, shift in lifestyle. Plus, yeah. I'm so introverted that like touring, but especially Warp Tour, is not where I thrive. Um, and I've learned that, and I've learned to accept that and be fine with that. But I'm that guy who's just kind of reading in his bunk or watching people play Pokemon on YouTube and <laughs> stuff like that. Like that's me, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, like I, I really tried to like actively fight it and kind of like adapt to 
the touring setting a little bit more but like ultimately like I've, I've learned to just kind of like accept myself for who I am and you know we've had a lineup change I am right. I've just gotten out of a five year relationship with yeah. somebody that I'm still very good friends with she's incredible but yeah I've had huge life changes and I'm looking to 2019 incredibly excited for the future of this band for, yeah. for my professional future um, cool. and just feeling good about myself for a change like it's 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 awesome no it's it's awesome and the, the two singles that you've released are both awesome songs uh, we just talked about the winded world the other one the stigma boys don't cry uh, is a bit of a diff- different from the other track for sure yeah and I guess my question is when you have a concept album, and it's kind of like you have to hear the whole thing to get the big picture. It must be incredibly different to decide what singles you're going to roll out as standalone songs. It is, man. How was that process for you guys? Um, we were always at least somewhat conscious that singles would have to be released. Um, there were going to have to be songs, um, if not all of them, that were good enough as standalone songs and singles to speak for the record as a whole. Yeah. Um, but... We also didn't want to follow suit with the kind of, I don't know, it's it's very much part of 2018 to kind of release half your record before the record comes out. And I miss that kind of Christmas Day feeling I know, of like, I haven't heard 80% or upwards of this record. And I, like, I'm holding it physically in my hands. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're streaming it. But who cares? <laughs> sure. But it's still like, I don't know, just some of like the joy and the... M- mystery is gone in this day and age and we were like let's only release two singles and then drop the 12 songs yeah uh 10 of which you've never heard before i'm totally with you the christmas um, day i love the way you put that it's it's so true yeah exactly and, and i really miss that and um we've done a double vinyl for the first time we've split the record into four stages it really almost like embraces the old school things about physical formats that we really miss, but like not in a sense like you need to listen to it on vinyl. We're right. not that band. We've never been that band, but it's like, yeah, I don't know, just something. I miss that. I really miss that. The the concept, uh, the process of writing a concept record too is always difficult because you know, as most people typically understand, a band will kind of write the music first. They'll add the melodies and they'll add the lyrics and then. Later on, a lot of times they figure out the sequencing of the songs or whatever. But with a concept album, and, I, and to be fair, I haven't heard the record. Right. But I assume there's a lot that goes into, okay, well, this part of the story has to happen before this part of the story. Right. So you have to be thinking about the sequence, the track listing order, all that, how songs are going to flow into each other, all that stuff far you know, before you're just like, okay... This maybe this is track one. Let's throw it up there. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. At times, was that, was that different? At difficult times, for you it, as at a band? times it was very difficult, but most of the time it was really fulfilling at the same time. So it was it was fun to be doing something so kind of grand, something that was bigger and a little more important as far as a kind of like societal commentary than my thoughts and my feelings on yeah. any one particular day. Um, not to discredit our previous records, but just kind of this time around living in 2017 and now 2018 it just didn't feel appropriate it didn't fulfill me or gratify me in the same way as like we're living in a very kind of turbulent time with a lot to talk about and um the reason it's a concept record for the most part is so that it still is in kind of first person that it can still feel as personal as previous as it is songs and releases um 
but it started as a kind of exploration about whether we as a society, we as, we as a scene, potentially we as a band, glamorize and romanticize mental illness, depression, anxiety, all this stuff. Um, by trying to destigmatize it, maybe we're talking about it in the wrong way. Okay. Is 13 Reasons Why to blame? Right, Are the Smiths right. to blame? Are the Cure to blame? It's <laughs> like, is, is art so subjective that it varies from person to person? This is where the kind of the record began. And then Ben said, why don't we make this a concept record about someone that we ended up calling the poet? Um, his journey between life and death kind of stuck in this gray area. Um, and it was just so much fun. It was so much fun to, to write about somebody that wasn't me, um, to really explore something that was larger than myself and the things I was feeling. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah. I mean, you have a lot of young fans, and a lot of fans that are young fans that are probably struggling with finding themselves and and struggling with depression. And I'm sure every day someone comes up to you and tells you you help them with, with literally uh, every day. Yeah. Liter- exactly. Does that go into your head when you're writing something like this, especially when you're making a statement about whether it's stig- stigmatizing or or uh, glorifying? Yeah, this stuff. Does. I mean, you got to think about that. It does, for better or for worse, because, like, I don't necessarily feel it's the inherent responsibility of an artist to preach or even kind of give advice, because I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist. I can reflect my own truths in my art, but I don't have the answers, even for myself a lot of the time, (laughs) let alone for thousands upon thousands of people. Um, because that is a heavy responsibility with very sensitive subject matter. So we dealt with that as respectfully as I, I hope we could have done. Um, but it's also just so important to us, and that's why it isn't pandering, is because it's like we care about this stuff. It means a lot to us personally, and these are the things that we want to say, I suppose. This is our platform, and, and I wouldn't want to be talking about anything else right now. Absolutely, man. And uh, another cool feature on the record is Aaron Gillespie of Under Oath. Which is a cool feature, yeah. Um, yeah, and he's a very good friend of the show. Right. He's been on here. He's been on the podcast twice. And uh, how was that? How'd that come up? I, I, don't, I assume, I mean, he's a lot older than you guys. I don't think you've maybe never met before. We had never met him before. Yeah. We met at uh, a couple days ago, I guess, on Warp Tour when they were on right. for the first time. Right. Um, that he was kind enough to collaborate. We'd never done a feature on a full-length record before. Um, and I think a lot of that was because we never wanted to just have a feature for the name. We wanted it to really serve the part totally. of the song, you know? Absolutely. Um, and we were writing the song in the studio. It was one of the last songs to be finished. So knowing he was interested to collaborate meant we could write it with him in mind, which made the feature so much better than we ever could have. And he took his own kind of like artistic um, liberties and changed (laughs) certain things. It sounds phenomenal. It's awesome. But um, it, it again stems from us actively, intentionally and shamelessly like, 
paying homage to this era yeah. um, of post-hardcore bands that we loved, grew up listening to, um, and missed certain things about. And, um, I mean, who's kind of more iconic in at least the uh, American kind of wave of those bands? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, they're, they're one of the most respected bands in the scene ever. Yeah, I mean, and we didn't I expect mean, for a sure. yes by any means. It's just right. if you don't ask, you don't know. So it Well, was, yeah, it was, asking you shall receive. Yeah. Definitely. The other thing that happened to you not so long ago was this health issue with blood clot. Yeah. And that's scary stuff. It was super scary. I'd never had a really kind of severe health scare in my life before like that. Um, But we were on tour. Um, We'd spent two, maybe three weeks in Europe. My forearms were chronically tense, and I didn't know why. Maybe it was like carpal tunnel, maybe it was an RSI, but I could barely play guitar. I could barely sign my autographs some nights. Wow. Um, so I would get as much sleep as I could. I got sick twice that tour. I got like kind of two different colds, one at the start, one kind of in the middle. But when we came back to the UK, gearing up for like the biggest headline shows we'd ever played, um, it came to the third to final show in Birmingham. And my right arm after we played is just suddenly swollen. Very big, very achy, very purple. Um, Specifically in my biceps. So I go, that's not great. So I go to bed, wake up, and it's gone down the entirety of my arm. So I spent... Like the um, the purpleness? It was purple. It was swollen down to my fingertips now. Um, And it was kind of numb, kind of achy, very scary. So we had an off day in Cardiff. I spent the entirety of that off day just kind of getting blood work done and x-rays and ultrasounds and whatever. And we luckily very quickly diagnosed that it was a blood clot. I mean, I say luckily in the sense that, you know, who knows, like, you know, it could have been misdiagnosed for weeks or months or whatever. Um, But yeah, they were quick to, to, to find out what was wrong. They, uh, said why don't we give you like a surgery consultation the next morning we had a show that night so i said all right fine um show and it, cardiff yeah and it quickly goes from a consultation to we're gonna cut you open and i'm like we have a show in a matter of like single digit hours right now so yes. that's not exactly gonna work for me um i'm not like a million miles from my home but i'm still five hours from where i live and i'm in a place that i don't know particularly well apart from like a, you know we come here once a year um, technically it's a different country it is a different country <laughs> yeah and um it was so very bizarre and we we uh i mean the severity of them saying we're gonna cut you open meant we're, we were gonna we canceled the show of that evening and we rescheduled it to or two and a half months later around slam dunk but the thought of canceling like our biggest ever headline show as a fan, uh, as a band, knowing that fans were here you mean from in London, yeah, yeah, from all around the world. Like there were people that traveled from America and China and Australia, and it was like the thought of that um, was just too much to, to to cancel. So I discharged myself out of hospital. I like went home uh, to Brighton, uh, saw went into the to the hospital the morning of the London show. Um, saying, hey, I'm going to be here tomorrow. And they're like, what are you doing? You should be here right now. (laughs) Like, you have a blood clot, um, and your arm is enormous. Uh, I said, yeah, cool, respectfully, I'm going to go and do my job. Just to backtrack, because I missed something. So they didn't cut you open in Cardiff. They didn't. They wanted to. But you canceled the show that night to go home to Brighton. Yeah, to get some rest, sleep in my own bed. Got it. Um, Went into the hospital in Brighton, said, see you tomorrow. 
And they're like, <laughs> I guess we can't keep you or you here if you're not going to stay. So I, we went up to London, um, played this show. I did it in a sling. Um, right. So I wasn't going to do something. See- I was on injections um, instead of pills. Like I'm still on blood thinners out here on Warp Tour. I have been for four or five months now. Um, but my girlfriend at the time was giving me these like an abdominal blood thinning injections just in the dressing room. It was very surreal. It was crazy. Um, and yeah, we played to 1,400 people. Yeah. Sold out. It was one of the more surreal moments. And then I'm just in a car with my girlfriend at the time and my manager going back to London, uh, going back to Brighton from London. And it kind of almost feels like it didn't happen. It was very dreamlike. It's, and then, uh, yeah, then I spent the next, like, three days kind of in and out of hospital. And they said, on um, the blood thinners, like, this is working away at this. Like, this is working, so let's postpone surgery. Oh, okay. And I will eventually need a partial rib resection bilaterally. But there's no rush as long as I'm on these blood thinners that don't seem to have side effects on me, at least. And it's, uh, here we are. I have no idea how blood clots are caused. But um, so because you're a, I mean, in shape, healthy. I try. <laughs> very healthy dude. You don't drink. You don't smoke. I think. Yeah. No, still, I don't. Still vegan. Still, yep. Still vegan. Yep. Uh, caring more about my body than ever, partially yeah. because of that. And um, if you're familiar with Ashley Osborne, she had the exact same thing happen to her, where this um, either extra or your first rib is too close to your subclavian vein, causing okay. the scar tissue, causing these blood clots. Um, it's seen in baseball pitchers and weightlifters. It's basically just strenuous activity um, combined with just your shitty biology, I guess. Right. Um, right. And yeah, just doing the frontman thing or the musician thing is ultimately what caused it in tandem with just having a rib in an unfortunate place, I guess. Well, I mean, you seem very <laughs> positive about the whole thing. And I'm, I mean, it seems to be under control. So all it's the best It's under with that. control. And it was very nerve wracking to be playing shows for the first time since. Um, right. We eased into it with Slam Dunk and did about yep. a week's worth of shows. And now out here, I'm just doing the full frontman thing, just on blood thinners and trying not to be stupid. I guess <laughs> trying my best, trying not to be stupid. That's yeah, that's, yeah, the, that's actually, the name of the game. Yeah, and we we blocked out some time after Warp Tour in case I was going to need surgery, and I do, but it's not like urgent. So okay, one day I will get parts of my ribs taken out, and I'll sleep sitting up for two weeks after that surgery, and it's oh going to be a, it's going to be the worst time ever. But that, there, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that. That is awful, man. I'm really sorry to hear you have to go through that. Oh man. Um, well, what else? What else can fans expect? I mean, coming up, you have this new record coming out very soon. We're talking about like two weeks away, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Three weeks. What day is it? That's Not been, like two weeks away. Yeah, that's so tough for me to adjust to because this has been. We've been writing this record since before OK came out, so we've been living in this world for a very long time. We almost didn't really properly live the album two cycle because we were already so invested in this project. Yeah. Um, it was occupying so much of our time and our minds that now that it's going to be like out in the world in like two and a bit weeks, like that's weird for me. That's very, very strange do you to, have, to adjust to. Do you have any anxiety about it, about what people are going to say? Um, I think what's so cool is I don't for the very first time. This is the first really record where I'm so confident. I'm so self-assured that if nobody liked this record, I would be like, we like at least we we did something right. so brave and like wrote this record that I'm so proud of. Took the risks we did, went with the producer we did, just kind of defied all the kind of conformities. Um, I'm so proud of it. Even if it was a disaster, I would have still been proud of it. That's that's amazing, man. I love I love this. I love this. 
And uh, one thing, <laughs> one thing we talked about in the first podcast, which just kind of came to, came to my mind, was we talked about some some of our favorite tour stories of <laughs> sleeping uh, on floors and and all that stuff. And yeah. it's been three years, and I I hate to put you on the spot because I hate when people ask me in interviews, "Hey, man, what's like the craziest thing that ever happened on tour?" Yeah, but. You got to have something in the last three oh, years, God, if, if sure, I can man. rack yeah, your brain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, I mean, we one of my favorites was we went to Australia. We filmed a music video the next morning, but we were staying on the floor of this kind of like derelict records. It used to be a record store, and people were just kind of doing like basement shows out of it. Okay. Um, we went to bed for maybe two hours before we filmed this music video on a beach and had to carry amp cabs about a mile and a drum kit was Yikes. a mile in the sand. It was awful. But the last thing I remember seeing before I fell asleep is a cockroach just scuttling about <laughs> half a foot from my face. I go, this fucking sucks, man. This is awful. Um, so we went back. Uh, we, we filmed that music video for a couple of hours without a permit. So we did it as soon as the sun came up and just got out of there as right. quickly as we could. Um, ironically, we made the newspaper in Newcastle, Australia without a permit. and Nobody seemed to mind, I guess. Um, but yeah, we went back. Slept on the floor of that awful, awful venue again. again. Um, so you, knowing that there's cockroaches crawling went around, by, I mean, you yeah. just had yeah. What is your other option? What else could we do? It was either that or the van. I think we were in an SUV. I don't even think we were in a 15 seater van trailer. I think yeah. we were just in like a like a soccer mom van. Yeah, but yeah. One uh, another oh. one of my favorites is we stayed with with a friend in Iowa. Foley had a particularly big night, which is not rare. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what's that mean? A big night. Uh, Got into the booze a little bit, you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Alcohols. Yes, dozens, alcohols. Dozens upon dozens of alcohols. And um, <laughs> we, we stayed with a, a very good friend in Iowa. Um, Foley was supposed to sleep in the in, in the bed that night because it was like a single bed, but he fell asleep next to the bed. So that, that was just kind of an indication of how this was going to go. We woke up, didn't think anything of it. Okay, we have this breakfast, we leave. A year later, we found out that Foley uh, was sick. He threw up, but in like a dresser drawer. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> like with stuff in it. Like he just kind of threw up into like a drawer of a cabinet. Um, <laughs> which no, is, which got discovered months later because of the smell. And we only found out a year after this happened. Oh. I was like, wow, that is oh, no. so unfortunate. Yes. Yeah, How about you? Good. I remember the bat. I remember you told the, me about the yes, bat. Yes, the bat is great. That anybody who good. anybody who missed that, go back to episode three and listen to my, my bat story. Um, damn, see, this is what I'm talking about. When I get put on the spot, uh, you know, I, and I got to be honest, in the last three years, it's been pretty chill, man. Yeah, right. You know? Um, one of my favorite stories, though, I'll tell really quick, is our old guitar player, Neil. We were in, we were in New York City, and it was for one of those, like, CMJ showcases, so we'd flown in. It was like it was really really bad. It was like a day off on tour. We actually, I remember we 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 were we we wanted to go from Houston to New York, and then the next day was in like Florida. Okay. So we were gonna do do that. Right. And I remember Victory Records was booking the flight. Somebody that worked there, and they said, "Oh, can't get you a flight from Houston. You got to go to like Shreveport, Louisiana, or something." <laughs> We're like, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. And your flight's at like seven in the morning. We're like, all right. So we finished playing in Houston, got in the van, drove yeah. all the way to Shreveport. We get there. We check into the flight. The flight is Shreveport, Houston connection <laughs> back to New York. God, that sucks. We're like, you must have wait, been wait, wait, wait. So you couldn't have, like, how did you fuck that up? Yeah. 
Right? Like, even if it can't exist without the connection, just don't do the earlier flight. You're just already in Houston. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's so funny. So we get to New York, and we, yeah, so we play this show. It was fine, whatever. You know, weird showcase is always weird. And, uh, yeah, we got into the booze. And, you know, like, another thing about New York City is that the bars are open till 4 o'clock in the morning, which I can't really handle it. Right. I've had enough to drink by two. Yeah. So we, we went a little extra hard, and uh, we were sleeping in this motel. It was like, it was in New Jersey or something. And I guess there was a construction site, like across there, we're building something. Okay. So Neil, so we got to the hotel first. Neil was on his way back separately, got a ride with someone else, decided it would be a good idea in a very drunk way at about probably 4, 4.30 in the morning. To just kind of wander around this like construction site where they were building something, right. so he somehow ends up on the second floor of this building, and he's trying to like get out, but he can't find like the stairs or however he got up there. He can't right. find it, so he's like, "I got tired. I slept on some bags of cement for a while." <laughs> then he woke up, and it was like light out, and <laughs> and he's like, "I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't get out." So he jumped off the second floor and, like, really hurt his legs, like, sure, really bad. You know, jumped to the second floor window, comes back into the room. It's So there's five of us, and there's just two beds. So we're, like, there, you know, the beds are taken. We're two to a bed. There's no cot or anything because we didn't think about it. He, I guess he was sleeping on the floor, wasn't comfortable, so we got out the ironing board, decided that that was going to work, so... Take, puts the ironing board up, lays on it, yeah. it breaks oh, immediately. <laughs> Just and I remember waking up to this, being like, "What the fuck are you doing, man? Like, go to bed." And he's like, oh, "There's no bed." <laughs> he fell. He fell asleep in the bath. The next day, he can't move. Right. We had to push him around the airport in a wheelchair. <laughs> and uh, so that's there you go. That's that's not a new story, but one of my favorites. That is really good. That just keeps on giving. Like that story. Just yeah, yeah. A lot. It was, and I didn't tell it very well because it's just so much coming back to my yeah. mind, you know, as I was telling it. But God, I love that. Yeah, Patty. So what else? Anything else uh, to tell the people? Uh, no, man. We're putting out the record August 10th. We're gonna be uh, doing our biggest headline tour in Europe and UK in November, early December. We've got plans to come back to North America that we're gonna be able to talk about eventually. Good. You know, good. Really excited about who we're bringing out as well, but that's for another time. And sure. Yeah, man. It's just it's just so cool to just be so optimistic and positive, being a part of this band and this career. Now it's like, yeah, I don't know. I think back to 2015. Like I was going through a lot, but at the same time, like I was just yeah, we were such a young band, such a young band. And in the grand scheme of things, we still are. But Absolutely. It's, it's it's just cool to feel so kind of like confident and self assured about where we belong in the scene and where we don't at times. You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, you figure def- it out. You find your you find your place. That almost defines us more. I don't think we've ever yeah. really belonged with any one kind of like cluster of bands, and we we've always like fought that and always just you know stayed true to ourselves. It's just it's so cool. To just like yeah, just be bros with Shane Told and out on the last ever Vans warp Tour. Right. So, it's it, it's wild, it man. It could be worse. Well, it really could. Well, you're one of the good ones, Patty. Thanks for doing this and uh, it's great to have you and all the best with, with the new record, with your health. Thanks, man. You know, and, and take care of yourself, man. Uh, I'm going to throw to the new song and I think I'm, I gotta go with The Wounded World because I gotta hear, people have that. to hear this breakdown. Dude, thank you. This is sick. So here it is. The Wounded World 
by As It Is on Lead Singer Syndrome. Thank you, Patty. Thank you, man. Brothers, sisters, young and tall. Shed black hearts and abandoned souls. It is from the brand new record, The Great Depression, out now on Fearless Records. It's available on all the streaming services. Pick up a vinyl. I bet they even have CDs, if you can believe that. Thank you so much to Patty for taking the time out of a very busy Warped Tour schedule. It was crazy. And what did he say? We were in a stretch of like 20, 21 in a row. Luckily, I didn't have to sing all those days. But I really do appreciate when any singer talks to me, but especially under those circumstances. So thank you, Patty, for doing this. As it is, is heading over to Europe and the UK. Well, I guess they're from the UK, so they're not heading over there. But they will be there on a tour this fall. Don't miss it if you're there. And I can only assume 
They got more stuff coming, so go see them on tour. They're one of the best live bands as well. Thanks again for tuning in. Shout out to all the members of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club, new and old. I will be back next week with an all-new episode. Can't wait. It's going to be a great one. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. And next Tuesday and or Wednesday, I will pop right up on your device, and I will be there. All right, I'm out of here. I'll leave you with one last tune from the new As It Is record. This is called The Stigma, Boys Don't Cry. Here it is on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. I'll see you next week. I see a pain behind your eyes I know you feel it every day It's like a light that slowly dies But it's better not to say It's better not to say such things out loud Close your eyes and bite your tongue for now Don't let them see you fall Stay strong, hold on You gotta keep it together now Just dry your eyes Cause boys don't cry No, no Boys don't cry Cause boys don't